بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد request everyone inshallah ta'ala to come closer to sit in the gathering and remove all the gaps that are there between us inshallah ta'ala Allah will also remove uh, the distance of the hearts and will not will protect us inshallah ta'ala from uh, shaitan and shaitan's effects we are most in need of unity uh, these days and inshallah ta'ala sitting to close together in gatherings like this and attending salah together <clears throat> so forth are means of gaining unity within ourselves inshallah ta'ala uh, before we begin i would like to use uh, take this opportunity to remind myself first and foremost and all of us attending and those who are listening online and those who may be listening afterwards that we have come here for uh, learning, we've come here to rectify ourselves, we've come here to bring ourselves closer. And every one of us today feels the need of gaining closeness and nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's that gap, there's that void in my heart, in everyone's heart. And we see that nothing can fill that up besides the love and, and the remembrance of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why you have come on a weeknight after a long day at work, tomorrow you've got to work, and you've come from near and far distances to sit in this gathering. SubhanAllah. Why? Because you felt you need something in your life. I see brothers who who driven here 50 minutes to come here. And probably even more. SubhanAllah. Why did, what brought these brothers here? And these sisters probably as well. Because there's a need in you. A talab within your heart that I need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what better place to get this than the house of Allah and a dars of Quran. Why is that? The house of Allah is the house of Allah, obviously. This is the, where you will find Allah. But from all the avenues to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the closest avenue is through the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is the actual attribute of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's His spoken word. When we recite the Qur'an, we are listening to Allah's direct message, not to humanity only, but to me, myself and I. What did Allah want me to hear? And what was, he try, what was his address to me? I'm able to read the book and listen to that message. How quickly we notice sometimes the phone is off after, after salah. We go back to the car and you quickly or you wake up in the morning, quickly check your messages. Who possibly may have sent me a message from across the world or across the street? You have to check our WhatsApp, we have to check our Google Hangout, we have got to check now our Slack, we've got to check our Twitter account. So many things. Who is trying to contact me? Make sure that that brother doesn't have to wait an extra 30 seconds unnecessarily without me responding to him. We are all part of that. But subhanAllah, that Qur'an is a message, eternal message that is waiting for me to, to download and to read, figuratively speaking. To sit there and pick up the book and read. And when was the last time we felt that subhanAllah, it's been, it's been too long that I haven't picked up the book. I haven't read the text or the translation or the meaning of the Qur'an. That this book is being awaited, someone to touch it, someone to pick it up. There are, mashallah, students here memorizing the entire day. Alhamdulillah, there are students here studying the Arabic language, but what about me as an individual who doesn't have the ability to dedicate 8 to 10 hours a day to the Qur'an? I'm an average person working 8 to 5, I've got job and kids and all that stuff to do. Isn't the Qur'an revealed to me as well? Or is it only revealed for madrasa students? It's obviously revealed for all of us. So the Qur'an is beckoning to be opened and read by me. So when we come here, we should feel genuinely uh, blessed and genuinely feel that we've been handpicked by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to attend this gathering. To sit here, to listen to the words of Allah being explained to the best of our ability. And by this, directly get connected to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
I beg and I pray to Almighty Allah that He makes these gatherings in the next few weeks a means of us gaining nearness and closeness to Him in the world and in the next. And I beg and pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He does not make my speaking and your listening a witness and a testimony against us on the Day of Judgment for not practicing on what we hear. We will inshallah ta'ala in the next six weeks ta'ala, be covering a, a surah uh, from the 21st Jews of the Quran, Surah Al-Luqman. And this is the 31st surah of the Quran. Uh, as, and it is, it is a Meccan surah. We have chosen this because it is a shorter surah that can uh, superficially be covered in six weeks. And along with that, there are so many beautiful aspects uh, that are covered, the themes of the surah that I think are relevant to myself and all of us in attendance. Obviously, the most famous aspect of this surah, uh, Luqman Hakim and his advice to his son is something you probably definitely by now have heard in some lecture, in some program, references to it or an actual tafsir of the entire rukur. So that's there. But besides that, the stories... The, the, the signs of Allah, the remembrance of the Day of Judgment, pictures of the Day of Judgment, and so forth, are beautiful things that we all need from time to time. So that's why this uh, surah has been chosen to, uh, to be discussed, inshallah ta'ala, in this following weeks. The, like I said, this surah was revealed in Makkah. And we say, when we say a Makki surah, just as a refresher, is there are, uh, because we have people who are coming first time, people who are coming re- repeated many times, and, and our students here as well, so... Some things may be new to you, something may be uh, as a refresher. <clears throat> and I may add also that to take the full benefit, if we treat this as a class, we'll really benefit. When you take a, treat it as a class, you will take notes, you'll review your notes, you will ask me questions or anyone else if you uh, feel comfortable, and then you'll feel obliged to attend every week. And if we take it as just a enjoy uh, a lesson or dars, then that level of seriousness might, may not be there. So I would highly recommend, inshallah ta'ala, for us to take some notes. And um, definitely the way I'm teaching this is not the way I would teach it in, in class with, the, with the, all the jargon and, and all the other complicated things of the lugha and the language. I try to keep it as applicable and as, as uh, simple as possible, yet engaging, inshallah ta'ala, with your du'as. So a Makki surah and a Madani surah, these are, these are the two divisions, right? And uh, generally speaking, a Makki surah or a surah that has been revealed before the Prophet ﷺ's migration to Medina. So in the first 13 years of the Prophet's prophethood, any surah that's been revealed is called a Makki surah. And any verses or surahs that were revealed after the Prophet ﷺ's migration to Medina is called a Madani surah. So it has to do more with a time period rather than the place. So that is why it's possible for a surah to be revealed in Mecca while being labeled as a Madani surah. Why is that? Can anyone tell me? Because it was revealed after the migration. Exactly. And a surah can be called a Makki surah even though it was not revealed in Mecca uh, because the Prophet ﷺ was for example out of Mecca, not in the region, but it was before Hijrah. And notice I said verses. So why is that? Because there are many times there are surahs that are makki. The whole surah is makki, but a few verses are madani. Or the whole surah is madani and a few verses are makki. Meaning, as a whole, that surah is labeled as a makki surah. But there are individual few verses that were revealed at a different time. Now you're going to say, how is that possible? 
That is because the surahs were not revealed completely all together in one shot. This, certain surahs are very, very common in the surahs of the Qur'an that portions of the surahs, let's say the first five verses were revealed at one time. Very famous example is Surah Alaq. All of us know that the first revelation that took place in Cave Hira and Ghar Hira was Surah Alaq, right? Iqra' bism rabbikal khalaq. But the entire surah was not revealed at that time. It was only the first five verses that were revealed at that time. And the remaining was revealed afterwards. Okay, so not all the surahs were revealed together. They were revealed in bits and pieces, even the smaller ones in the 30th juz. Some of them are such. So when we have a surah, for example, like this, which has more than 30 verses, there are, there are a number of verses, three or four verses that are not revealed in Makkah. They are revealed in Medina. But how did they end up in here then? How did they end up in a Makki surah? Well, just like all of the verses where Rasulullah didn't come up with his own women desire rather they were inspired by Allah obviously through revelation similarly where each verse needs to be placed was also inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so verses may have come at a different time but almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the prophet والسلام, to put this verse to it's to be recited in such and such place in such and such part of a surah so just like we say amanna we believe that surah luqman is part of the quran and rasul didn't make it up Abu Bakr didn't make it up or whoever else didn't make it up we obviously believe that as Muslims so we also have to believe that the placement of these verses where and when they were placed in which place in which surah is also from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that is why you do have certain verses in surahs that are revealed in a place or at a time different from what the majority of the surah was revealed in the themes of the Makkid surahs usually cover Number one, the fact of the oneness of Allah, Tawheed. The basics, back to the basics, right? The oneness of Allah, Tawheed. Number two, the truthfulness of Rasulullah and the Prophet ﷺ's risalah, his prophethood. Uh, number three, the coming of the day of judgment and the reality of life after death. And number four, the veracity of the Quran, the Quran not being lies and poetry, but rather being a true message of Quran. Again, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the veracity of the Prophet والسلام, the truthfulness of the Prophet والسلام, the coming of the day of judgment, and the truthfulness of the Qur'an. This is exactly what the Makki surahs are about. We know the Madani surahs are more about injunctions, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. From the 6,000 plus, 6,000 plus verses of the Qur'an, only 500, right? So we're only looking for at, at, at a small portion of that, of the, of the Qur'an. Less than 20% of, of the Qur'an is about do's and don'ts, what we call injunctions. The rest of them are along these lines. These lines of the basics. Today we get so uh, engrossed in do's and don'ts, or at least telling others what to do and what not to do that we forget about the majority of the Qur'an focuses on what we call the basics, foundations, iman. And that's why the, the, the ulama sometimes make a comment, they say, that look at the order the Qur'an was revealed in. Madani verses weren't revealed first, obviously. They were revealed after migration. Meccan verses came in first, because you have to build a foundation of faith, faith in Allah, faith in the Qur'an, faith in the Prophet, and faith in the Day of Judgment. If we don't have this, then whatever you say 
I can sit and argue with you, but I don't think this is permissible. But I do think this is not permissible or permissible. We can go all night and all day about this. Different opinions. But, but, why is that? Because the foundations are weak. The genuine love of Allah and fear of the hereafter isn't there. So we will try to find leeways, we'll try to find loopholes and so forth. So that is why the Makkan Surah's 13 years of training and majority of the verses dealing with the basics. And then you've got just 500 verses dealing with the do's and don'ts. Some scholars, that's why they say that today we love to give lectures, uh, 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 the Madani lectures before making the effort of Makkah. We love to give Madani lectures before making the effort of Makkah. Makkah was real hard effort but on the basics. And then the icing and the cake comes in way afterwards. We can't start blowing out the candles before we make the cake. Right? That comes at the very top. So these are the um, themes of the Meccan uh, uh, surahs. When Rasulullah began to share the message of the Quran with the Meccans, you know they started accusing him of many things. Sha'ir, Sahir, Majnoon, right? As, a, uh, as a, just simply a poet, a magician, a soothsayer, uh, a fortune teller. And, and, and someone who's insane All sorts of things And then they started attacking the message as well That the message isn't true It's fake, it's made up stories It doesn't make sense and so forth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Revealed the surah If you may say that Possibly to explain one understanding of this That as an answer to that That uh, one, of the, one of the accusations Against the followers of Prophet Nuh not just Prophet Muhammad وسلم, but the Prophet Nuh as well. They said, The disbelievers from the party, or the, rather the, the people during the time of Prophet Nuh, they said, That we do not see you but just like an average human being from amidst us. And they said that we don't see you, subhanAllah, we don't see except very shallow thinkers, people who have a very shallow understanding, very, uh, you know, very basic understanding of life. See the Sadilog. Very simple minded people. They're the ones who are following you. The, the uh, intellectuals, the people, the sophisticated people. They don't seem to be following us. Subhanallah. This is the sunnah of Allah. This is the sunnah of Allah. The deen, it, it, it doesn't require a very high IQ. To tell you the truth. Ajib. It does. Sometimes, it's so obvious. But the man who is, who, who, is, who is so smart and so intelligent, he misses it. I was just n- noting to my students, uh, a month ago or, t- or two, I was listening to a, a radio program. And they had a, a science program on the public radio. And they, had, they were interviewing... A, 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 in a extremely high level academic scientist who's focusing the past 20-30 years on a certain aspect of astronomy it was marvelous how he was explaining the, the, the universe and cosmos and mashallah ta'ala but then the question came about how does the world yani, begin and Ajib it was so marvelous listening to him to say things that are going above my head but again, he also was He seems so yeah, he out of it to say that really, no, it just, just so happened. There's no gen, you know, real cause behind that. That's just the way the events took place. Of course, he gave it a nice physics term. 
But at the end of the day, still it came about that there's no being, actual being behind that button. Since these ripples, you give an example of bubbles uh, or, or uh, you know, that come about on a boiling pot of water. And he gave that example of those endlessly moving and subhanAllah, this guy is just, you know, the world is just expanding and moving forth like that. But I was waiting to the, how this expert comes about to the beginning. And lo and behold, he doesn't have an answer to that. What does that mean? They tell you that uh, average, mashallah, four-year-old, five-year-old from amidst us, two-year-old, our sons and daughters ask him, Bhai, kisne peda kiya? Who created? He'll say, Allah. All of us know the answer, Allah. Whether you are a high school educator or not, we know the answer to that. It's obvious. There's, there's nothing more obvious than that. Allah is the creator of everything. is running our affairs today. But what, what does that tell us? That tells us that intelligence is not necessary to gain hidayat. No. It's a hidayat is a gift of Allah He gives to whomever He wishes Whether He gives that person intelligence or not Is a secondary thing Sometimes the most simple minded people Are the ones who get guidance Wallahi, this is something to remember So true Because sometimes we get affected Why does so and so I wish this, this person, this star, this fulan This fulan can understand I wish too Deeply I wish as well That the, the intellectuals of the world get it But guess what It's their loss if they don't get it it's their loss if they don't gain hidayat. So they began to attack Nuh salam, and also they began to attack Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the surah Luqman. The Luqman, but you also agree, was a very wise man. He was an intellectual of the highest degree. But look at the advice he gives to his son. Look at his intellectual, his, his intellectual abilities did not stop him from bowing down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the problem. When ilm uh, and intelligence, it, 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 takes them, it takes them high to kibr. And he says, how can I humble myself in front of Allah? This is the issue. So we have to be able to bring this together. How lucky are those individuals who are blessed with IQ and intelligence from Allah, MashaAllah Ta'ala, but yet they're humble. Humble enough to say, Allahu Akbar, Allah is great. So Luqman's story of Luqman is about uh, that wise man who shares beautiful message with his son and it's all focused about the same thing. Tawheed and the establishment of Salah, the coming of the hereafter and so forth, the basic themes. Let's move on inshallah ta'ala to the next, um, to the actual beginning of the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ba'da a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alif Lam Meem. This is the first uh, ayah. And Alif Lam Meem. Three letters. Alif Lam Meem. We call this in Arabic huruful muqatta'at, or in English disjoined letters. Letters that are disjoined. Very surprising. Very eye-catching. Why is that? Because the entire Qur'an is based on being joint. What do I mean by that? Every verse, there's an ayah, right? But I'm sure you know that you can, in majority, 99.9% of the places, unless it's written there, because uh, yani, written there that it will change the meaning. What are you allowed to do? You can continue. Ali man khabiran. You can move on. The Qur'an is based that each surah can be, each ayah can be connected, each surah can be connected. To the extent you can say That's what we do in Tarawi, right? The last nights, remember? We finish Surah Al-Nas and we move to the, the next Surah We start from Surah Al-Baqarah In the next Rakat, I mean not in the same Rakat But in the next Rakat But while reciting Quran on your own, you can do that you could finish and connect right back. And subhanAllah, when we discussed uh, the last 10 surahs of the Qur'an in, in previous lectures, 
When we came to Surah Al-Nas, I remember we had talked about the connection of Surah Al-Fatiha, the beginning opening verses of Surah Al-Fatiha and the last verses of Surah Al-Nas. You don't remember, you can, take a, uh, you can go back and listen to that lecture there. But it's beautiful how Surah Al-Nas and Surah Al-Fatiha right around is connected. So every verse is connected to the next one. In meaning and actually the, the ability to recite it. That's why Allah, there is a Nazmud Durar fi Tanasibil Ayati wa Surar is like almost a 29 or 30 volume tafsir, alhamdulillah, that we have here. Nazmud Durar. It's called putting the uh, uh, pearls in order. Putting the pearls in order fi in the subject of Tanasibil Ayati wa Surar in the connection of ayahs and surahs. 30 volumes dedicated to what? Not tafsir. Dedicated to how? I mean, it's a part of tafsir, of course, but not the tafsir you and I are thinking about. It's an aspect of tafsir. How simply one verse is connected to the next one. That's it. Not ten, virtue, ten meanings of what this means and this means and this means. Just simply how one verse is connected to the next one. Nazmud durar fi bil ayati wa surar. Suwar. An amazing tafsir, mashallah. Right? So, alif lam mim is a standout. And for that matter, all other disjoined letters. What do they do? You do not pronounce this alifun, lamun, mimun. Nope. Every other letter in the Quran is pronounced like that. You connect it. But here you have to recite alif, lam, and mim. Three separate things. There are uh, many reasons for that. We've covered in Surah Al-Sajdah. We did Surah Al-Sajdah last year. And alif, lam, mim was mentioned there. So I know I covered that. But just as a refresher, and uh, just as some take-home points, Basically, this is to grab your attention. Because the Qur'an was revealed to the Arabs and in the language of the Quraysh. The Quraysh had the best Arabic. They combined all the languages, Arabic language dialects of all the other Arabic uh, Arab tribes. And Qur'an was revealed in their language, in their dialect. Alif Lam Mim was not how they used to speak like. They didn't, they didn't speak random letters like this. No one did. No one does till now. It was for tambih, it is to a wake-up call. Hey! So now all of a sudden the Arabs there say, it's okay, subhanAllah, this is, this is something we haven't heard before. Why? Why would it attract their attention? Because this was their expertise. Imagine you go into the Apple, Apple headquarters in California, or you go to the Samsung headquarters, and you go present an, an, an amazing device. Okay, that they, the scientists out there, haven't thought about. A phone that they haven't come up with. A feature that they never thought about. Imagine how jaw-dropping that would be to see someone from outside the field come up, let's say a businessman, a dentist, or 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 accountant comes and says, here, I got this phone with this feature. Imagine, subhanAllah, how they would be shocked and amazed. How did you get that? Where did this come from? Well, that's exactly what's happening. You have Rasulullah speaking to Arabs who are like the executives of Apple and Samsung or whatever else, you know, the leaders of the language. That's, that's what they're proud about. That's their bread and butter. And they're the masters of the Arabic language. And now you present to them something which they never heard of, which, which really freezes them. And they say, subhanAllah, this, this has got to be something different. We never saw something like this before. And that's exactly what Alif Lam Mim does. It doesn't do to you and I because we don't know Arabic. Right? And if we know, we don't know. We know at a very superficial level. But for the Arabs of that era, it definitely made them freeze. Second understanding of Alif Lam Mim basically is that this is a secret of Allah. Some say a secret between Allah 
and the messenger, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, that no one else was informed about. Just direct communication between him. Encrypted message, and then the unencrypted message is the rest of the surah. And third opinion, out of many opinions out there, is that this is, a, this is the meaning of such that even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shared with the Prophet It is something which Allah kept with himself. Then why would you do that? Why would you keep a message which no one knows? And that is simply to bring about within us humbleness. That there are certain things in life you just won't ever understand. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's domain is way larger than your domain. You cannot expect to understand everything. And no matter how great you may become, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أُوتِيتُم مِّنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have not been given with regards to the knowledge except for very, very little. Notice two things about this verse. وَمَا أُوتِيتُم You haven't been given. That's the first thing. Meaning whatever knowledge you have, you didn't get it yourself. It was given to you, number one. And number two, قَلِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't address me, وَمَا أُوتِيتَ Whatever you're given. Allah says, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ Whatever you, entire humanity, and jinn, and angels, whatever knowledge you are given, قَلِيلًا It is very, very, very little. So where does that put me? One out of six, 6.8 billion currently living, from the time of Adam till now, and from now till the day of judgment, how many humans? And then jinns, and angels, and then how many, mashallah, experts in every field? Where am I compared to all of that? Imagine what percentage of qalil am I? What percentage of qalil you, are you? That is part of the greatest knowledge. If we can realize how ignorant we are in front of Allah, that itself is one of the greatest knowledges that we can have. For us to become humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is one of the benefits of alif lam memes meaning uh, not being shared. Uh, and you can end with the fact that if this was a problematic, if this was problematic, then the disbelievers of Makkah would never have left this and would have immediately attacked Rasulullah Sallallahu saying, Na'udhu Billah, I'm saying, what is this gibberish? Why are you saying this? We have reports of what they said to the Prophet, but we don't have a single report of any of them ever criticizing these verses. That this makes no sense. Because it froze, it made them freeze. They, wouldn't able to, they weren't able to move after that. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala then after that says, Tilka ayatul kitab al-hakim. These are the revealed verses of the all-wise book. Whatever is in brackets and parentheses, that is part of the tafsir. That's inferred. That's inferred. Okay, these are the revealed verses of the all-wise book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word here, the, uh, tilka. Uh, and in Surah Al-Baqarah, we have thalika. Oh, I gave it away. But <laughs> after some time, I was going to ask you that, and probably you would have all, of course, figured it out. That Surah Al-Luqman is very similar to what? Surah Al-Baqarah, mashallah. Right? Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Luqman and Surah Al-Baqarah are very similar openings. Okay? So over there is Dalika and here is Tilka. Um, over there is Dalika. Dalika and Tilka both are means when you point at something, it's an indicative noun to something which is far away. In Arabic, you have Hadha, this. And thalika and tilka for that. Thalika being for masculine and tilka being for feminine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses that. And the reason why that has been used, even though the Quran is right in front of us, is because you, when you're speaking to someone, His Holy Highness or His Greatness, you do, His Majesty, you don't point to Him as though He's right in front of you. 
This is in Arabic, لِعُلُوِّ شَأْنِهِ In order to, uh, to indicate this lofty status of the Qur'an, you point as though it's not far away from you, but it's way above you. That's the word of Allah, like that, like how my hand is pointing upwards. The Qur'an, these are the verses of the Qur'an, instead of being like this right next to me. So just, just that ishara, just that word tilka gives you the meaning of the greatness and the great status that the Qur'an enjoys. These are the revealed verses of the all-wise book. Now, what does hakim mean? Hakim can come in many different meanings. One meaning of hakim, um, hakama, the verb hakama means mana'a, to stop. Maybe we haven't heard this, and that's why I'll mention this first. Hakama means mana'a, to stop. So the Arabs say hakamtul farasa, that I have hakamtul farasa. What does that mean? Farasa is a horse. It means I have put an object in its mouth so it doesn't, yani you put the bridle in the horse's mouth, right? So that hikmah that's put into the mouth, what does it do? It stops it from running all around. I'm able to control the horse. So the Arabs say hakamtul farasa. So hakama means to stop, to withhold. So hakim here means that the Qur'an itself is, is protected and does not allow interference. Does not allow anyone to mess around with its meanings, with its words. Yani you look at the previous other scriptures or any other document it's been uh, altered with and played around with, of course. You know, whether they like to accept it or not. Uh, it's of course all altered. And the Qur'an is something which is Allah says, falsehood cannot overtake it. Not from the back, not from the front. It's completely protected. It's been revealed from the all-wise, worthy of all praise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is Hakim and the book is Hakim. It's been protected. Another meaning of Hakim here would mean Dhul Hikmah, that it includes wisdom. It includes the meaning of wisdom, which we have. It, it's, it's a book that includes wisdom in it. Okay? And what does it mean by that? Meaning, just like you have a wise man who guides you to do what's right. What is wisdom? Many different definitions of it. Some have said, To put something in the best possible place. So you have uh, what you call um, a, a, a piece of art. Okay? Maybe you're not a very um, uh, uh, passionate about art. For example, you don't have a much... Tastes for it So someone gives you an art Okay, bye, just put it on top of that speaker It looks fine You know, sometimes we do that People donate stuff to the masjid And the people in the masjid also don't have a taste They just put it anywhere So someone says Okay, mashallah, someone donated Ayatul kursi That's fine But brother, above the speaker Is not the best spot there's, It's in the masjid, mashallah But there's a spot And he will come As an interior designer or whatnot, And he'll tell you The best possible spot That would fit in perfectly With the design of the masjid That would just fit in Wouldn't look awkward look, But just would look perfect so that beautiful Ayatul Kursi can be placed on the podium, can be placed on the mimbar, can be placed on top of the speakers. They're all places to be placed. But hikmah is to put something in the best possible place. So you take that uh, piece of calligraphy or that Ayatul Kursi uh, plaque and you put it in the best spot. That's hikmah. Quran gives you instructions to make your life the best. Not just a good life, the best life. So that you know exactly when to do, what to do, and how to do it. If a person follows the teachings and instructions of the Qur'an, he will have the best possible life, the most wise life. That his, his actions are being coordinated by the Qur'an, collaborated by the Qur'an. You understand? So this is what it means that the Qur'an is included with wisdom. And third meaning of hikmah is hakim. Hakim means the decider. 
that the Qur'an decides. The Qur'an will tell you this is right, this is wrong. This is permissible, this is not permissible. Do this, don't do that. And it would also decide which stories from the books, from the people, the books of the people of the past are correct and which ideas have simply crept into the books of the people of the past and are incorrect. There's a nice story, but then all of a sudden you've got a prophet committing something which is absolutely, it makes no sense. So the Qur'an will come and teach us that the story is right, but sorry, these details can't be right. These have been added on by people afterwards. For example, Allah says, The Qur'an is a guard over the previous scriptures. It will tell you what's right from the scriptures and what's wrong. Yani what's been added in. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these are the revealed verses of the all-wise book. Next slide. Hudan wa rahmatan lil muhsineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is a guide. It is a guide, guidance for all people and mercy for those who would excel in doing good. So huda, number one, it's, it is a guidance. Huda is guidance. Alright, so let's focus on hidayah first. Right? المستقيم, every single day we keep on asking about that. Is there any, why are we asking إِهْدِنَ الصَّلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ? Because there's no end to it. There's no end to improving. For a Muslim, there's no such thing as I'm content. Really, my friends. There's no such thing, I'm an okay Muslim. No. Alhamdulillah, but I'm going to improve tomorrow. That's why the ulama of the past have said that the one whose two days are the same, no matter if it's like, like you know, 29th night of Ramadan. And if the 30th night of Ramadan is like the 29th night of Ramadan, the ulama have said, for example, I'm giving you an example, 29th and 30th. You can take any dates. He's a loser. Whose ever two nights and two days are the same, he's a loser. Rabih, who's, who's Rabih? Who's the one who's making profit and who's smart? Whose every day and every night is better than the previous day and the previous night. Because for a Muslim, there's non-stop, it's, 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 it, there's no such thing as a bell curve. There's no such thing as, you know, that we, okay, we, we taper off. Nope. That is why Rasulullah's beautiful dua Masnoon du'as we memorize. One of them is that what? Allahumma ja'al ahsana Forgetting the Arabic But oh Allah Waj'al khayra yawmi yawma alqaqa fi This is it Waj'al khayra yawmi yawma alqaqa fi Oh Allah Make the best day of my life The day I meet you When I reach the zenith After which it's not possible for me to go more up and take me away. Subhanallah. Now that doesn't mean if we got excited like th three years ago in one Ramadan, we should die then. That's a dua. No, no. That's not what it means. It rather it means a dua. Don't understand it like that. Don't understand it like that. It rather it means that as we grow older, we're supposed to be getting better. Sometimes many of us, we say, When I was young, I knew a lot of surahs. I used to read lots of du'as. I used to sit in the masjid, I used to come early in my 30s and 40s, whatever. But now, subhanAllah, I'm just, just not interested anymore. I just can't do it, whatever. No, this is, this is not a right sign. As we grow older, we have to be getting better. Yes, mashallah, there's more responsibilities, wife and kids and, and grandkids and whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean we can start taking a break in our ibadat, in our mu'amalat and whatnot. Of course, taking care of the wife and kids is also an ibadah. That's definitely fulfilling that right according to the sunnah. It's, it's itself is rewarding. That's part of it. But every single day has to bring about an improvement. So hidayah 
Every single salah we're asking, oh Allah, give me more hidayah and dhuhr than I had in Fajr. Give me more hidayah and asr than I had in dhuhr. Give me more hidayah and isha than I had in Maghrib. Non-stop. So the Qur'an is hidayah. The entire hidayah. It's going to guide you to what is right. But what about if a person gets guided and gets lost? It happens many times. We, we, how many of us got sick and got cured? MashaAllah, all of you will raise your hands. But how many times after getting sick, we got, after getting cured, we got sick again? Again, all of you will raise your hands. Who can, who can say here that I had a fever once and I was two years old and after that I never got sick again? No one, none can say that. We get sick and then we get cured and we get sick. This happens back and forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hudan wa rahma. The Quran is a guidance and a rahma. What does rahma here mean? That once you get guided out of the mercy of Allah, you will never ever get misguided again. Once you get guidance from the Quran, you will never ever become lost. You will always be on the right path. Allah says in the Quran, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءُ وَرَحْمَةُ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ In another place regarding the Quran, we reveal from the Quran verses, we reveal, مَا هُوَ that which is شِفَاءٌ a cure. Okay, it's gonna cure us. Then what? وَرَحْمَةٌ and mercy. What is this? Same thing. It's not that you get cured spiritually and physically from the Quran and then you get sick again. Once you spiritually get cured from the Quran, you will never become sick again. Warahma is part of the mercy of Allah that the Quran is your once in your lifetime uh, shots. Got it? The, all the other shots we have to take, they expire after three years, after four years, after one year. This vaccine, that vaccine. The Quran, subhanAllah, is such a vaccine, my friends. If we really take it properly, if we give our arms and our legs and our hands and our feet all to it, so we get injected with the Quran, so every vein flows with the Quran, insha'Allah ta'ala, we will never, ever, ever become astray. That's the guarantee. Hudan wa rahma. Allah saying, my, my Quran is hidayah, and I'm following it up with rahma, that you will never go astray if you have this. Lil muhsineen. For those who excel in doing good. Not for your average people, for muhsineen, those who excel. I was just talking about hidayah, right? Trying to become better and better. There you go. Muhsineen, same thing. Those who excel. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna Allah yuhibbul ihsana fi kulli shay. Indeed, Allah loves ihsan in everything. Everything Allah wants you to be a muhsin. In your grades at school, my high school and college students, in your numbers at the end of the month, my fellow businessmen and, and working community, working class, and business owners, and whatever the case may be, professionals. The ihsan fi kulli not only the numbers at the end of the month, but more importantly, in your service. So if I had, for example, a 10 patients who were happy with me last month, this goal this month will be 15 patients will be happy. If I had 20 Clients that were happy with me last month, my goal should be 30 clients. And I, I, and I seriously mean this. This is part of Islam. This is part of Islam. You know, Allah forbid, Allah forgive us. But how many sometimes, yani brothers say that the last, the patient will say, the last person I'm gonna go is a Muslim doctor. I've heard patients say this. And I've heard many Muslim doctors say, the last patient I wanna see is a Muslim patient. It works both ways. Because no one doing ihsan. The many Muslim doctors, it's, it's all about the money. They don't care less if the patient's happy or not. And the Muslim patient, it's all about the healthcare, what you can provide, not that I'm going to pay my copay, which I have to. You get, I'm sure it resonates with many of you sitting here, as patients and doctors sitting in this gathering. It's Allah forbid, Allah forgive us. Subhanallah, everyone is sick of each other. Because no one is doing ihsan. For a Muslim service provider, whether you are a car salesman, or you're a mechanic, you're an accountant, you're a professional, it really should be service. 
that I'm going to provide a service that exceeds previous month, previous month service. And as a customer, when I go, when the doctor sees me, when the mechanic sees me, hey, you came back again. It happens. I've been mentioning this in my previous khutbah too. Our brothers in the parking lot, they openly sometimes say in different masjids, when fulan car comes in, we say, oh, by why it happened in my Juma shift? I was in the wish it was happening the next Juma. This guy shows up. 15 minutes, he comes in Juma, and it's a big problem because he doesn't listen to the parking security and parking people. That's what absence of ihsan. In 15 minutes, we are doing idha of Muslim. We're hurting two, three people and, you know, and making people upset. Now, now listen to the hadith. The Prophet ﷺ didn't, talk, didn't say about doctors and patients and treating. Look at subhanAllah what he says. Allahu Akbar. He says, you know, you know when I say Allah loves to do ihsan and everything? Rasulullah, I'm not saying this. Allah loves you to do ihsan and everything. You need perfection and excel. Rasulullah, look at an example he gave. He said, when you slaughter an animal, make sure you do a good job. When you slaughter an animal. Don't do a sloppy job. Don't do a painful. Don't make it painful. Do it. Do a nice and clean, as painless as you can. Make the cut as quick as you can. qataltum, and if there's a, if there's a, 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 an opportunity or a, something comes about where a person needs to be killed because of he has killed someone else in a case of murder, qisas, for example, then again, don't make. He's he, you're taking his life because he killed someone. Rasulullah or whatever the case may be. But the Prophet said, وَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ And if you have to kill, فَأَحْسِنُ الْقَتْلَةِ Then make sure that it's also done in a proper, clean way. SubhanAllah. I mean, there's nothing can get any more dirtier than that. Killing an animal and taking a life of a human. But there are instances where executions need to take place. But Rasulullah subhanAllah his instructions is that Allah wants it to be done in a beautiful manner. So what about my job, my education, my architecture, my building and my cleaning and my, uh, of my house, my masjid? Allahu Akbar. Why not ihsan? So we have to be the best in our own fields. Lil muhsineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the hidayah and rahmah for those who do ihsan. What is the quality of those who do ihsan? Okay. All of us probably know the opening verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. Alif Lam Mim. Same, right? Similar. Kitab, that book, La Bafi, there's no doubt within it. muttaqin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says guidance for those who have taqwa. Here it says muhsinin. Notice. Can anyone notice the difference in Hudalil Muttaqin and Hudan wa Rahmatan Lil Muhsinin? What's the difference? Besides obviously Muttaqin and Muhsinin being one different, what other difference? Hudalil Muttaqin and Hudan wa Rahmatan Lil Muhsinin. Rahmah. The ha woke you guys up, huh? When they said Rahmah, everyone's like, yes, that's it. So, the Rahmah, I'm trying to ask questions, inshallah, to keep all of us engaged, because I know you had a long day, you know, inshallah. So, try to answer these questions and keep you awake and alert. Um, Rahmah, this is a second gift that's not been promised over there. Hudan lil muttaqin, hidayah for those who have taqwa, hudan wa rahmatan lil muhsinin, subhanallah. Meaning, for those who do ihsan, you're going to get hidayah and mercy. Those who have taqwa is just hidayah. Because taqwa is a lower level than ihsan. Briefly, taqwa is to stay away, wiqaya. Protect yourself. Protect yourself from kufr, shirk. Basically, protect yourself that will land you in hell. And to do anything that will land you in hell. Protect yourself from that. Ihsan is to go above that. To go an extra mile. Ihsan is done in kamiya, in kafiya, In amounts and in quality. 
ایک ہی نماز پڑھ لینا جس ٹو پری اور صلاح پر احسان از ٹو پری صلاح ہاؤ ان تعبد اللہ بنچ <laughs> He asked him what Islam was. He asked him what Iman was. And then he asked him what Ihsan was. Look at the order. Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. So these are the levels. Basic level Islam. Then second level is Iman. Then third level, higher level is Ihsan. So he said, what is Ihsan? Rasulullah sallallahu responded, An ta'budallaha, that you worship Allah, ka'annaka tara as though you see him. And if you can't reach that level where you can see, you can feel that you're seeing him, then know verily that he, at the very least, be at this level that he's watching you. And if I know that someone is watching me, 200 people are watching me while I'm praying, let's just say some demonstration of salah. Non-Muslims are watching, Muslims are watching. My salah, how is he going to be here? And my salah in my bedroom, my salah on my own, my salah, the, my salah in my office. There's a difference. People are watching. We all of a sudden improve. SubhanAllah, but if I know that my Allah is actually right now watching, which He is, of course, we know that. But it's not about knowing, it's about believing. It's about seeing. It's about really feeling that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me. So Rasulullah is saying that ihsan is to see Allah yourself when you're praying. And if you can't do that, then at the very least, feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely is watching me at this moment. I can't be scratching myself all over. I can't be looking, you know, to, to doing this to my cell phone or that thing or looking what he's doing, what he's, what, what's going on or having my mind all over the place. Because guess what? When I look at you, I can only look at, mashallah, how you're sitting here. I can't see what's going on in you through your mind, obviously. Whether you are, you're still awake, not awake, what's going on, or you're thinking about what's happening at home, what's happening here, I have no idea. I have no idea. When Allah looks at me in prayer, Allah is not simply impressed by, mashallah, how I put my hands here. I'm looking down, I'm reciting Quran beautifully. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly what thoughts are going through my mind. Yes? So when you know Allah is watching you, then not only will you stand appropriately, but you will control your thoughts. Because you know every thought that I'm entertaining right now, Allah is, no, Allah is looking at that. Achai, you're standing in front of me and you're thinking about the marketplace, you're thinking about business, you're thinking about store, and you're standing in front of me? Really? And then you want something from me. See, we, we, we don't know what we think, right? Every single time husband and wife talk to each other, if the wife knew what's the husband thinking, and if the husband knew what the wife was thinking, the marriage would never last more than a day. Because everyone is thinking about something else most of the time. Or different things. Right? That's how the dunya is. We don't, we don't know. Alhamdulillah, we don't know what's in the other person's mind. MashaAllah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. So we have to be aware of that. When you are praying that Allah knows what's going through my mind, how can I entertain other thoughts? That's ihsan. So what I, I repeat, that taqwa is you pray your basic salah. You stay away from haram. But ihsan is that you do an excellent job. What does that entail? You, you pray your salah as though you're worshiping Allah, as though you see Allah. And if you can't do that, then as though Allah is seeing you. That's the one. And number two, ihsan is not just in quality, but in quantity as well. Not just four rakat isha, two rakat sunnah mu'akkadah, three rakat witr, I'm done. Yes, that's taqwa. That's a basic I have to do. Ihsan would be, let me add in another four rakat of nafil. Let me add in eight rakah of tahajjud before I go to sleep, if I can't wake up in the morning. Right? Nowadays, mashallah, fajr time starts so late, we should definitely, 
prepare ourselves in the winter months. These are the winter months to fast during the day. May Allah give me tawfiq in all of us. Short days to fast and long nights to get enough rest and also to pray the Hajjud Salah. So, Ihsan is dual in a quantity and quality. And Taqwa is the basic. And that is why Allah has promised more things for, for people who do Ihsan. Allah gives three salient qualities of those who do Ihsan. Allah says, number one, salah. These are the people who duly establish Salah. Zakah, who give the Zakah. وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ And who within themselves have utter certainty, look at that, utter certainty of the eminence of the hereafter. The reason all of those things are in brackets is because there is so much emphasis in this verse, in the place, placement of the words. Right? Number one quality is that they establish salah. You've heard this time and again. Allah nowhere in the Quran commands us to simply pray. Nowhere in the Quran does Allah command us to simply pray. Nowhere do you will find the word sallu. Okay? Of course, besides sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima, which is a whole different meaning. That's regarding salutations upon the Prophet. But just generally, sallu, pray salah, you won't, you won't find that. Right? Rather, you will always find aqimu salah, muqimina salah, and so forth. Aqimna salah, whatever, all, you know, yuqimna salah. Establishing prayer. So establishing prayer is much di- very different from simple praying. Establishing prayer means performing it, possible, one meaning, performing it with salah, with jama'ah, one of the most important aspects of it. Praying in congregation. And number two, praying with concentration and devotion. Number three, praying it on time, with all its prerequisites being met. So these people don't simply pray, they establish it. They don't pray alone in the office, they'll try to grab the other few people around them and pray with them, for example. They'll try their best to pray in the masjid. zakah, And then they give the zakat, their, their charity, sadaqah, whatever the case may be, from their wealth. And then they have complete faith in the hereafter. So are these the only three things you have to do to become muhsineen? Obviously not. These are the three salient qualities. That the one who has these three qualities, inshallah ta'ala, he will have the rest. Meaning if our salah comes right, if our zakat comes right, and if our belief in hereafter comes right, we will be the best patients, we'll be the best doctors, we'll be the best service providers, and we will be the best customers. And everything else. We'll be the best in our education. We'll be the best in our grades. If we have these three qualities down. What is that? We establish a salah properly, we pay our zakah properly, and we have certain faith, with certainty we have faith in the hereafter. Everything else will come. So when a Muslim suffers in any of those fields, he always focuses. I shared a story with you previously. A story of Mawlana Yusuf rahmatullahi alayhi, the compiler of Hayat al-Sahaba, an amazing work on the stories of the companions of the Prophet um, and many other books. He was once... Uh, sitting down to eat And someone was serving the food And as he came If I'm not mistaken This is the story of Mona Yusuf It could have been the story of his father Mona Ilyas I stand for correction Either Father or son One of the two Someone brought a, some gravy Salan And was putting it down On the dastarkhan on, ta- on, the, on the tablecloth For him to eat And as he was doing that as, It was very watery Right Because that's the circumstances he was in Some of it fell and he puts his face in the crown, and the sheikh looked at him. 
didn't get scold him, upset at him, say, you burnt my foot, you did this, you did that. He simply looked at him and said, the brother, take care of your salah. Take care of your salah. Look after your salah, subhanallah. Because the one who prays his salah properly, he'll have balance. He'll have balance. He will know if five times a day you stand like this, without shaking or moving for a total of an hour and ten minutes a day, you will definitely know how to hold a, a plate of, of gravy for five seconds. Ajeeb, right? But yani, what my point is, if we are not holding, able to... I mean, all of us make these mistakes. All of us make countless mistakes like this every day. Countless. But do we ever think about that the problem is basically in my prayer? Today's problems. We have to, with, with whatever we want to say, whatever we're going to say is happening today is issues. We must never, ever, ever forget that the problem starts with us. We have lost touch with our deen. We have lost touch with our creator as Muslims in general. And all of this you see are symptoms of that cancer that has developed within us. If water fl slipping out of our hand is a problem of our salah, the current world events, how, how can you not say and how would you, can you not believe that that is not a re, uh, that, 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 is, that, that is not just simply a cause or rather a symptom of us neglecting the basic foundations of our deen. If we build our relationship with Allah as a whole, inshaAllah ta'ala, everything will come right. But again, it's not just one person out of a million coming right. As a collective ummah, the majority of us have to come right if we want things to change. Why was Akhirah, faith in Akhirah brought last? Because it is faith in Akhirah that makes a person do these things. It is Iman and conviction in, in the hereafter that will force a person to pray Salah properly. When I know I'm going to get 27 times more reward for every prayer, not today in the world, but tomorrow in the hereafter, I'm going to rush and drive the extra 10 minutes to come to the masjid. When I know for every sadaqah I'm going to get countless blessings from Allah Even though apparently it looks like I'm not going to have too much extra money for the vacation this year But there's a need, genuine need for someone who's asking for money I'll say, chalo bhai, for the sake of Allah I'll get my vacation in the akhirah Who's going to say that? The one who has faith in the hereafter So if our akhirah, faith in the hereafter is strong Then we will be able to pray our salah properly And then we will be able to pay our zakah properly So it all comes back to one crucial point Faith in Allah in the hereafter if we don't fear and have true belief in facing Allah on the Day of Judgment, our salah will be messed up, our zakah will be messed up. When that will mess up, then we won't have ihsan. And when we don't have ihsan, the whole world will fall apart. Our world and everyone else's world. Our world and everyone else's world. What is the emphasis here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُقِنُونَ Whom has been mentioned twice. And akhirah has been brought before yuqinun. Instead of yuqinun bil-akhirah, they bring faith in hereafter. It's been... In hereafter, they bring faith. And, it, 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 and that is why he says here, and who within themselves have utter certainty, where did all that come from? It's from these three methods I told you. Bringing home twice, and bringing akhirah before yuqinun. This is the strongest point of this verse. To drive home the point that you have to have true faith. What is the, uh, the, th the basic levels that yaqeen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Quran? One is ilmul yaqeen. You know about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. The one is... Ainul uh, Yaqeen, you see it. And one is Haqqul Yaqeen, you actually witness it to an extent that your eyes can deceive you, but this can't deceive you. Like someone says, someone, like an example, for example, someone says that have you ever uh, visited Orlando? 
uh, well, a person says, I've never visited, but I've heard of it, of course. It's a very famous city. So he knows about it. And then a person sees a brochure and a flyer for vacations for in Orlando. So now he's seen pictures of it. Or he's seen a video of it, whatnot. And then a person actually goes and spends a vacation there. That's another whole level. By looking at a roller coaster on a newspaper flyer, it's very different from actually experiencing it. Don't you think so? So I, we know about Jannah, or we know about hell. But it's another whole thing, experiencing it in the hereafter. That's called haqqul yaqeen. But sahaba radiallahu some of them, mashaAllah ta'ala, Allah blessed them with that iman. And uh, I will uh, share this hadith and end with this. Um, Anas radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's multiple narrations of this hadith. One of them says, Anas radiallahu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam met a man. And his name was Harith. And he said, Kif asbahta ya Haritha? Oh Haritha, how did you wake up this morning? He, he said, asbahtu mu'minan haqqa. He said, I woke up, mashaAllah, as a strong believer. So then he said, Inna likulli imanin haqiqa, fama haqiqatu imanik. Every faith has some reality proof. You see, I believe America is a place of where you can get your dreams fulfilled. Okay, that's faith. Now, can you please back it up with why you think that? Then you'll give your reasons for it. For example, so you say, he said, I woke up as a strange believer. Okay, mashallah, that's a claim and that's a faith you have. What's, what's the reason? What's the proof of that? That you really have a true, you have true belief. So he said, my heart has been turned away from the dunya. It's basically gold and mud is all the same. Honor, someone honoring me and someone dishonoring me is the same. Someone loving me and hating me, and whether people praise me or say bad things about me, it's the same. Dunya is, my heart is turned away from it. Number two, I remain thirsty during the day, and I'm fasting. Majority of the times I fast. What, number three, and I stay awake at night in Qiyamul Layl, Tahajjud, worshiping Allah. And because of that, what's happening to me? Ya Rasulullah, what's happening to me? It's as if though I am in front of the actual throne of Allah as it's being brought forth on the day of judgment. And it's as though I am in paradise, witnessing the people of paradise, enjoying and visiting each other's homes and visiting each other in paradise. I can see that. And And it's as though I am, in, I am next to the hellfire Witnessing and hearing the people Not just witnessing But hearing the people of the hellfire Screaming and wailing out of the punishment The Prophet ﷺ when he heard this He said Asabta, You have got it right Falzam, Stick to it and then he gave him the certificate and he said, This is a believer whose heart has been enlightened. So it is, subhanAllah, faith really can become a level like that. We have to simply ask Allah and we have to work towards that. Oh Allah, grant us such an iman which has no doubt in it. Grant us such an iman that will bring us closer to you every single day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ends this uh, uh, ayah. With we'll get to some, some more topics about uh, some details about it next week, inshallah ta'ala. But just the translation, so we don't want to end it in the middle. It is these who are advancing upon the path, advancing upon the path of guidance from their Lord. So it is these who are the truly successful ones. 
And inshallah, the deeper points of this ayah, we'll reflect upon it inshallah next week. I pray to Almighty Allah that whatever we have learned, He allows us to put into practice, He allows us to share it with others inshallah. And may He allow us to inshallah ta'ala attend next week as well. If you have in the meantime any questions, whatnot, please definitely share with, uh, share it with me. And if you're listening online, you can email at info at dsfnd.org. And inshallah ta'ala, we will uh, respond to that to the best of our ability. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.